Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for October 17th, 2018. This is the first real slate of NBA this season. Had the small little two-game slate on Tuesday night and kind of in between games right now just to finish the Celtics-Sixers game up and Celtics look really good. Uh, you know, I think I think coming into the season, a lot of people just assume, oh, the Warriors are going to win the championship. Yeah, they should definitely be favored, but they're going to have competition. And if if the chance that Durant or Curry happens to get hurt, like I think the Celtics would be a really good match against. Them. I think the Raptors are going to be good. I think that the Sixers, even though they didn't look great, and I think they're going to end up being really good. Uh, so I think it's going to be a much more interesting season than people who just assume that we should just give the Warriors the championship already. Uh, as for me, I had to take some time off from the podcast because I got pretty sick over the summer. I had uh, an infection in my colon and basically couldn't keep any food down. Uh, but doing better now. Still walking on my foundation, so I said we did no sixty nine percent. Yeah, so uh, thank you, Joel Embiid. And I pretty much only gave a health update just because I had that Joel Embiid clip that I really wanted to fit into the podcast somehow. So that was that was how I that was how I shoehorned it in. Uh, I am doing better than sixty nine percent though. I'm probably like ninety to ninety five percent now and feeling pretty good uh, and ready to get the basketball season started. So I'll get into the games for tomorrow. Uh, we've got eleven games, so much different outlook than the two game slate we had Tuesday. We're two game slate. Like generally, those aren't slates that I really like to play or would usually play. I, I did on Tuesday because it was opening day. Uh, but this is much better. 11-game slate. I think it sets up well for cash games. Uh, for anybody who is new to the podcast, uh, I use the DraftKings pricing kind of as a baseline. But but generally, we find as the season goes on that players that I'm going to like on DraftKings, I like on FanDuel by and large part also, unless there's like a major pricing discrepancy. Uh, also, we have a little bit of different strategies this year in terms of how the uh, the site's set up, just in terms of FanDuel has changed their setup where you still have nine players, but only the eight highest scores count. So the, the lowest score gets dropped. So what we're going to see a lot as the best strategy is going to be go heavy stars and scrubs, where you don't have to worry so much about getting a dud from a 3500 price player because the lowest score gets dropped. Now, with that said, I think there's going to be situations where you don't just want to throw in a 3,500 guy uh, because I think that there could be injury situations to capitalize. For example, Tuesday night, we went into the slate with Steven Adams questionable. Now, it didn't work out the optimal way that we would have liked it to, but Nerland's Noel became a really good cheap play at 4,000, not the 3,500 that a lot of people on Twitter just think is the, the guy you need to have in your lineups on FanDuel, but at 4,000 for Nerlens Noel, he's somebody who was pretty cheap and had a chance to be a massive value had Steven Adams been ruled out. He would have been the guy who stepped up and took a lot of that production. So I think that that's the kind of guys that we really want to take chances on on FanDuel is the guy who we have an unsure injury situation, the guy who could step up and play but isn't necessarily a lock to be in that situation because the injury status is unclear heading into lock. I think those are the guys that we kind of want to take chances on on FanDuel uh, more often than not with new rules set up. Uh, and for DraftKings, we have the late swap. So we don't have to guess about injuries beforehand. We, we are going to know right before the game, our guy's going to play, our guy's not going to play, we can make pivots. So one thing that we need to set up our lineups to 
is the guys that start in later games, put them in the utility spot, the guard spot, the forward spot, because that gives you extra uh, room and maneuver to operate, more ability to be flexible, where if somebody's ruled out, you could switch people in the utility guard and forward spot much easier than the regular point guard, shooting guard spots on the roster. So I hope that follows. If you have any questions about that, you can message me on Twitter or on Basketball Monster, and I'll respond to that. Uh, so getting into the games for tomorrow, we don't need to dig too deep like we did for the two-game slate. First game is the Nets at the Pistons. So on the Nets side of the game, we already have a couple injuries here. We have Alan Crabb is out for opening night, and then we have Damari Carroll is just announced to have uh, he needs ankle surgery. So he's going to be out for a decent amount of time. That's going to open up some value in the Nets' backcourt. So we have Karis LeVert at 5,800, who I really, really like as a play for the slate. So Levert was somebody who averaged about a fantasy point per minute last year. He's only at 5,800. With all the injuries, I would guess we're probably going to have to see over 30 minutes from Levert. And at only 5,800, we're looking for about 29 fantasy points from him. So I, I think that if he's somebody who scores a fantasy point per minute and we expect him to play over 30 minutes, that, that just makes sense as a value. I think that he's a good play. And then with D'Angelo Russell at 6,600, I think that he takes a step forward this year. He isn't somebody with quite superstar potential, but I think he'd kind of be like right below an all-star level type guy. And at 6,600, he's a very DFS-friendly player. A lot of usage, isn't afraid to take shots. So 6,600, I think that he makes a lot of sense. From the Piston side of the game, I don't really think there's a lot of value here. Uh, we do have Stanley Johnson, who's questionable to play. So if he's out, uh, maybe we see... Uh, somebody cheap get moved into the starting lineup in his place. Uh, but or else, Andre Drum's at 9,500. Blake Griffin's at 8,200. Both of them are fine, but not not priorities for me. I think that I, I wouldn't, if somebody showed me a roster with either room, I wouldn't say you have to take them out. But it's not it's not a priority for me in the player pool. They were, they weren't really a great combination last year. I think a lot of people looked at that Pistons trade last year. Oh, Pistons got Blake Griffin. They made out great in the deal with the Clippers. I really think the Clippers got the better end of that trade, and I don't think the Pistons are going to be a great team this year. Uh, next game on the slate, the Memphis Grizzlies at the Indiana Pacers. The, the Grizzlies are a team that I think are going to be much improved over last year. I have a bet on them uh, for over 33.5 wins, which is their current win total. They have Mike Conley healthy this year. Uh, obviously, Marcus Soule's back. Uh, they drafted Jaron Jackson Jr., who I really like. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a great DFS play right off the bat because I don't know how many minutes he's going to play. But 6,600 for Gasol and 6,500 for Conley, uh, I think that they're both fine cash options. Uh, Gasol, I think, a little bit more upside at 6,600. He was somebody we saw kind of like high 7, low 8,000 range last year. Uh, there's other center plays that I like more than him on the slate that I'll talk about later. But I, I think that Gasol is a fine play for his price. Uh, from the Pacer side of the game, there's nobody I really, really like here. I think Oladipo's okay 8,000 just because he was so good last year. But we can't really look too much at how bad the Grizzlies were on defense last year because this season with Jaron Jackson in the mix, who I think profiles as a great defender at the NBA level, I think he's going to make them better. Then we also have Mike Conley healthy. He was injured for a lot of last year. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. So I think that he makes a lot of sense. And oh, I just looked, that's why I got distracted, looked up a Dennis Schroeder with a shaved head. It's uh, just not what I'm used to seeing when I when I look up at the TV at him, so kind of threw me off for a second. Uh, but yeah, not not a lot of interest for me from the Pacers side of the game, just because I really do think the Grizzlies are going to be a much better defensive team this year. And if you remember them from previous years, they were this grit and grind team, slow-paced team, one of the best defensive teams in the league. I think they get back to that this year. 
with, uh, with Conley healthy and bringing uh, Triple J into the mix. Uh, next game on the slate, we have the Miami Heat at the Orlando Magic. Uh, a couple guys I like from the Heat side of the game. First, Hassan Whiteside, I think I, I wouldn't play him in a cash game. But for GPPs, Whiteside at 7,300, uh, he really shit the bed towards the end of last season. But I think he kind of rededicated himself in the offseason. He's been working on a perimeter shots, be able to space the floor. And I think he's coming in with a better attitude than what he had last year, where he was so confused. He's like, I'm the best player on the team. I don't understand why I'm not getting more minutes, why I'm not taking all the shots. It, it looks like he got himself in better shape in the offseason. He's healthy now. And I don't think he has that kind of chip on his shoulder. And I think he's more willing to work within a team atmosphere. So I think he's going to have a better year this season. I'm not 100% sold on it. But for 7300 price tag, I think he makes sense in GPPs. And then Josh Richardson at 6300 I really like Richardson this year. Uh, good matchup for him against the Magic. And there is rumors that he's going to eventually be in a Jimmy Butler trade. I think that could happen if we see the Heat and the Wolves make a trade. But uh, for, for now, I think that Richardson is going to be uh, the really go-to guy for the Heat, and he's going to be a big playmaker. I think he's going to be a good DFS play and somebody who we see the, the price rise into the 7,000-plus territory before uh, before too long. From the Magic side of the game, I think this team is going to be a little bit of a mess this year. They drafted Mo Bamba. I like Bamba as a prospect, but they just have so many big men. It's a team that's they've got no guards and just a million big men on the roster. So it's hard for me to really get too excited about rostering any of them. I just think there's there's better spots to look, especially because there's so many there's so many centers I like on this slate. So I'm not going to look into the Vuceviches or Bomb or anything on this slate. Uh, next, we have the Milwaukee Bucks, the Charlotte Hornets. From the Bucks side of the game, yeah, I think Giannis is fine for GPPs, cash games. Uh, not my favorite guy to pay up for, but I think he's fine. He's in play. Middleton, Bledsoe, both kind of fair prices, so not a lot of interest in them. I really like Brooke Lopez at 4,800. I thought he was a great signing for the Bucks. And if you remember towards the end of last year when he was getting uh, extended minutes for the Lakers, he was a really, really good DFS play. And I think we're going to see more of that from him this year. Uh, I think that he's going to be getting very stable minutes in like the 28 to 32 minute range. And don't forget, like he was a borderline all-star player just two seasons ago when he was on the Nets and getting a regular complement of minutes. So Brooke Lopez, 4800 I think that price is certainly going up from here. He's a really good value. He's core play for me for sure. Uh, from the Hornets side of the game, uh, another center play I really like here is Cody Zeller, 4100 I think that he's a better player than Dwight Howard. I think that just getting rid of Howard and having Zeller play more minutes is an upgrade for the Hornets and should make them better this year. Uh, 4100 for Zeller definitely makes sense. I think he's a safe play with a little bit upside. He's not somebody who's going to go score like 40 points or something like that. But I really think he has like a floor of 20 fantasy points, which is about what we need for him to hit value. And I think we could see him up to 30 or so fantasy points. Uh, 4100 that's a great price tag for him. Uh, the other guys, it's it's tough. Like Lamb was really good when he started last year, but the, the defense for the Bucs, I think, is just going to be so good this year. So Lamb, Batum, and Walker are going to be guarded by Giannis, Middleton, and Bledsoe. It's just negative matchups for all of them. So just Zeller for me from the Hornets uh, side of this game. Now we move to Cleveland Cavaliers at the Toronto Raptors. Uh, there are a couple of good plays here for me also. A little bit of concern with the blowout. Toronto 12-point favorites, so they are the biggest favorite on the slate. Definitely a chance that we don't see the starters in the fourth quarter. Now, with that said, uh, Seti Osman, the last the last set-eye 
4,200. I think he's going to see a ton of usage this year. He's going to have to see a lot of minutes with LeBron out. So I think that he makes a lot of sense. 4,200. He's one of my favorite value plays on the slate. Definitely as small forward. I think he's my favorite small forward play. Uh, great value there. Kevin Love at 8,600. I think that he's okay to pay up for. I wouldn't use him in a cash game though, just because I'm a little bit concerned about the blowout. But He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to be the go-to guy on offense at 8,600. He's gonna have a ton of usage this year with LeBron gone. So I think that Love. There's gonna be better spots to to utilize him when he doesn't have such a difficult matchup in potential blowout risk. But he makes sense. And then from the Raptor side of the game, Kawhi Leonard 8,100. He's a fun guy. He said that himself, uh, and that, that's how you know somebody's fun. If somebody tells you that they're fun to hang out with, it, it must mean that they're awesome to be around. But 8100 for Kawhi, that's that's too cheap for him. He's somebody who I think we could see up in the high 9000s, even a five-figure price tag at some point during the season. Uh, if you look at him moving from the Spurs, he's going to have a bigger uh, DFS games this year just by the fact that he's playing in Toronto where they play more up-pace. They play more up-tempo, more possessions in the game. So more chance for stats, more chance to score. So I think that's really going to benefit Kawhi Leonard, just playing in a faster-paced environment. And then Kyle Lowry at 7,200, I also think makes sense for GPPs. I, I wouldn't use either of them in a cash game. Maybe Kawhi, just because I think he's a little underpriced, but still the, the blowout risk, it, it has me a little bit concerned about using these guys in a cash game because I, I think it, it messes up the floor a little bit for them. The ceiling's still there if it stays competitive. Uh, next game on the slate is Hawks at Knicks, and these are probably the two worst teams in the league. I think they're the two worst teams in the league, and it should stay competitive. There should be a lot of scoring. There's going to be bad defense, going to be bad players. There's also cheap players. The Hawks are starting Vince Carter on opening night. Like Last year, we were making fun of the Kings for playing Vince Carter like 20 minutes a game off the bench. The Hawks are so bad that he starts for them, and it's it's almost kind of justified because of how bad their roster is. So that just means that there's a lot of usage to fill here. There's a lot of minutes. Uh, I think Trey Young at 6,500, he didn't look great in preseason, but he's going to take a ton of shots. He's going to play a lot of minutes. The Hawks don't have other guys to go to. So I think he's fine to roster. Torian Prince is 6,100. He had some big DFS performances towards the end of last year. I think that he's good to roster. We've seen Alex Len as somebody who averages like 1.2 fantasy points per minute. Dwayne Dedman's out. John Collins is out. So... Alex Len, there's a little bit of value in him at 5,600. He is a massive ceiling. And then Jeremy Lin, I think people forget how solid he was just a couple of seasons ago. He's going to be the sixth man for this team. He's going to have a pretty big usage role off the bench. If Trey Young struggles at times, they're going to have Jeremy Lin run the offense. So I think at 4,000, he's a very sensible play. From the Knicks side of the game, we have Trey Burke at 5,600. He's starting at point guard. I think it's a really good matchup for him against Trey Young. Trey Young is very tiny. I don't think he's going to be a great NBA defensive player at any point in his career, but I think he's going to be really bad defensively right out of the gates. So Trey Burke at 5,600, I think that he makes for a good option. And then Ennis Kanter at 7,200, I think that he's going to see a really big role in the Knicks offense with Porzingis injured for most of the season. And I, I think there's a pretty good chance we don't see Porzingis play at all. Uh, another uh, just bet that I really like this year is the Knicks under 29 and a half wins. That, that just seems like a ridiculous line to me. The Knicks only won 29 games last year. The division's more difficult. And then in addition to that, they don't have Porzingis for at least half the season, maybe the entire season. Probably looking at him missing, though, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 games or so. I think under 29.5 is a really strong bet. 
that I would recommend you guys looking into. Uh, next game here is the game with the highest point total on the slate, uh, over-under of half. the Hornets, I mean not the Hornets, the Pelicans playing in Houston. Uh, Anthony Davis, I think, is a really strong guy to pay up for. I think he's going to have a monster season this year. I think, for me, he's the guy who I favor to win the MVP as long as he stays healthy this year. Uh, I think he kind of gets a bad rap as somebody who's made of glass that gets injured a lot. I don't really think that's the case. He's played 75 games each of the last two seasons. He's played over 36 minutes per game in each of those. So he's on the court a ton. I'm not going to say that he's an Iron Man or anything like that, but he's pretty reliable in terms of uh, games played in minutes over the last couple of seasons. He does go to the locker room a lot during games, but he ends up coming back and playing more often than I think people think. Uh, I still wouldn't play Anthony Davis in a cash game because of the amount of times that we see him leave early, but for GPPs, I think that Anthony Davis, really fine play, and my favorite guy to pay up for on the slate. Uh, So on the Rockets side, even though they're implied to score the most amount of points on the entire slate, I don't really love them because of the pricing. We've got James Harden all the way up at 11,500, Chris Paul at 8,900. Both of them played really well at times individually last year, but if you remember them at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of weak performance, uh, not necessarily the beginning of the year because Chris Paul got hurt right off the bat, but when he first uh, came back and was healthy and getting integrated into the offense, they were winning a lot of games, but James Harden was a little bit disappointing from a DFS standpoint, and I don't really want to pay 11500 for him when Chris Paul's healthy, and the same thing goes for Chris Paul at 8900 with James Harden healthy. Uh, I, I just don't really like either of those price tags very much. So next game on the slate, a few left to talk about here. The Minnesota Timberwolves at the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, so the the Timberwolves are so tricky to figure out right now because the Jimmy Butler situation is such a shit show. Jimmy Butler's really cheap at 6,700, and I don't really know what what his mindset is going into this season, but I think he's worth putting into GPP lineups just because... I think there's a chance we see Jimmy Butler take like 40 shots this game. I think we come in and he just goes just goes guns blazing. He's maybe he's like flipping off Tibbs on the sideline or whatever and he's just saying I'm not passing to any of my shitty teammates this entire game. I don't like Andrew Wiggins. I don't like Carl Anthony Towns. And I think we just might see Jimmy Butler go screw everybody. I'm taking a million shots. So for that reason, I don't usually buy a ton into narratives. But 6,700 for Jimmy Butler, even in a fairly difficult matchup against the Spurs, I think is a really sensible play. Uh, From the Spurs side of the game, it's kind of a wait and see for me. I don't really know what the offense is going to look like with DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge playing next to each other. So I don't really want to roster any of them off the bat. And then we have Rudy Gay, who I think I normally would have thought of as a good play here. But he was listed as questionable coming into tonight and then was just recently upgraded to probable. So... He was dealing with a a heel injury. He had the Achilles tear a couple of seasons ago. I think they're going to be a little easy with his minutes to start the season. So I don't really want to roster Rudy Gay just yet. I want to see him play a lot of minutes before before I'm willing to put him into the lineups. Uh, Here we have the Utah Jazz at the Sacramento Kings. I think the Kings are just going to suck this year. There's a lot of blowout risk here. The Utah Jazz are really good on defense. So I don't really want anything to do with the Kings side of the game. And then from the Jazz side of the game, too much blowout risk, not enough pricing value. Donovan Mitchell, 7,900. Rudy Gobert, 7,800. So no thanks for me here. I I actually think that that's a game that's probably almost as likely to be a blowout as the Toronto-Cleveland game. So next game, the Denver Nuggets at the LA Clippers. 
From the Nuggets side of the game, yeah, you could throw Jokic into a GPP, but for the most part, a lot of these guys are really priced up versus what we would normally see from them, especially with everybody healthy. We've got, uh, we've, we have Paul Millsap back in the mix. He missed a lot of last year with the wrist injury, and the fantasy production for everybody on the team is a little bit down when Millsap was healthy. Uh, they played a slower tempo with Millsap in the game. Also, it takes usage away from everybody. So not a ton of interest in the Nuggets side of the game for me, even though there seems to be a lot of scoring potential in the game. It's just hard to see for me to see where the, the fantasy upside would really come from. From the Clippers side of the game, uh, I think... Tobias Harris at 7,000, it's a good matchup for him. I think that that makes some sense. Uh, Danilo Gallinari at 6,000, I think that he's fine to roster. Uh, Lou Williams at 6,400, there's a lot of upside there. We have uh, Austin Rivers was on the team last year, and now he's gone. Rivers was playing way too many minutes last year just because he was the coach's son. So with him out of the mix, we would think that Lou Williams really regularly sees over 30 minutes per game. Awesome fantasy producer last year, so it's 6,400. I'm good with him. He's my favorite team from the Clippers side, uh, favorite play from the Clippers side. And then Montrez Harrell, I also think at 4,500 makes sense as a GPP play. Uh, I don't have a ton of confidence in his minutes just because we don't know what the rotation is going to look like. I think that ultimately Harrell is the backup big man with Boban kind of not in the rotation. So Harrell 4,500 was a good permanent producer last year. I think that he is a fine play for GPPs. Uh, Dallas at Phoenix last game on the slate, and I think this is a pretty solid uh, DFS game. There's a few targets I really like. From the Dallas side of the game, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows I I love Luka Doncic. I thought Doncic should have been the top pick in the draft. He's only 6,700. This is a really favorable matchup against the Suns, who are one of the fastest-paced teams in the league and also one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I think that he makes a lot of sense here. I think that he's somebody who we could see put up production like what Ben Simmons did last year, where Ben Simmons in his rookie year was, I'm trying to remember where he started the season. I think he started right around the same price tag where he was kind of like high 6,000s, low 7,000s, and really quickly rose up to a guy who is in the 8,000, 9,000 range. I think we could see a similar thing from Doncic who could put up similar stats to what Simmons put up. So I love Doncic for GPPs. I love him for cash games. I'm really high on Doncic for this year, for Dynasty Leagues, as being a future all-star slash possibly MVP caliber player. I think Doncic will be awesome. And then we have the top pick in the draft on the other side of the game, DeAndre Ayton, who just put up crazy numbers in, in the preseason. He was a 2010 guy, basically, in preseason games. Uh, and just a really, fav- a really favorable DFS game. His... Weaknesses in real life are on the defensive end, and they're not even going to show up in the stat column because he's going to block shots. Uh, he's just somebody who is going to give up easy baskets at time in the paint. He gets lost in space. He doesn't do great in help defense. He struggles when he gets out in the perimeter, but none of that matters in DFS. He's going to get points. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to get blocks. 6,900, I think that he's a fine play. I'm really curious to see how he matches up against DeAndre Jordan. And then Devin Booker. At 7,400, as long as he doesn't have any kind of minutes restriction because he's coming off the hand injury, I think that he's a really strong play for GPPs and cash games also. Uh, So that is the first podcast of the year. Uh, You guys could follow me on Twitter at GEarenbergDFS. I'll have an article up for Basketball Monster uh, Wednesday also. If you guys want to come join and just chat up, join conversation, ask questions, I always answer. Another thing too with Basketball Monster is we do a 30-day free trial. So if you want to try it, you don't like it, 
you could cancel within 30 days and get your money back. So I hope you guys have a good night, and I'll be back to record a podcast for Thursday slate. I think it's a little smaller, but uh, I'll, I'll do one anyway.